Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. What the hell day is it? It is June 7th, 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am really, really not feeling well in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and if basically will be the final resting place of your pal Sully if I keep feeling like this. Hey, I had a major legality attack. I could barely talk, as you can hear. Um, I have a bunch of evergreen podcasts, but I'm also going on a trip, and I don't want to burn any of them. But I found, hey, there's part of my interview with the great artist Todd Radom, and regular on the Baseball Tonight podcast on ESPN. We went down a lot of different paths, and this one section We talked about the Phillies, we talked about stadium tours, and a little bit of stadium politics. So while I rest up, please enjoy my conversation with Todd Radom. Let me ask you about this, because, I mean, I think the National League, the Phillies' hot start notwithstanding, um, and I have many Philly fan friends. I always, when I say something like that, I make it sound like I'm trying not to be racist or something. I have many... (laughs) Some of my best friends are Phillies fans. I've got relatives <laughs> who are Phillies fans. Um, I think their start is really a great story. I think it's a bit of an aberration. I think they're winning a lot of close games. Uh, yeah. I, I have a I have a philosophy that being mediocre beats being bad. So they're kind of mediocre, and when they play the Braves, the Brewers, the Reds, the Padres, they're going to win a lot of those games because – just they're they're okay, and those other teams are horrible. So they may be closer. They may finish closer to five hundred, but I also don't think you know that they're better than the Mets. No, they're 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 probably not going to make the postseason. I mean, come on. Uh, and and there too, you know, there there is the one hundred sixty two games. Mm-hmm. Chop this up into Memorial Day, July fourth, Labor Day, into the home stretch they go, and the Phillies seem like and and you know. I believe me. Me too. I have one of my closest friends in the world is a Phillies fan, lives and dies with that team. I went to I went to game four of the ninety three series with him and watched the uh the the, uh, the Blue Jays overcome this gigantic deficit and win fifteen to fourteen. Oh. I've never seen such angry people in my life. Oh. So I mean I've known this guy for thirty years, but having said that, the Phillies strike me as one of these teams that you know will start to uh when the weather really heats up July fourth will sort of slip and eventually fade, you would think. Yeah, but I think the nice thing that's happened there is there's been a purging of they've I've joked with a couple of friends of mine that the difference between the Red Sox, Cardinals and the Phillies are that the Red Sox stopped celebrating the twenty thirteen World Series the next year. <laughs> the Cardinals stopped celebrating the twenty eleven World Series during the parade and kept and built for the next team. And the Phillies can't stop celebrating 2008. Like they kept kept putting the same team on the field every year. Uh, I think the purging of Utley and Rollins and Hamels and actually making a couple of decent moves for them. Like they got, they actually got some, you know, not blockbuster trades for Rollins or Utley, but they didn't. They got players back, and, they, and I think. No, the, I agree. And I think the Hamels trade. And the deal they made with uh, Houston, what was the pitcher's name? I'm losing my mind right now. Giles. Giles, thank you. Ken Giles, right. Yeah, I think that was a terrific trade. For, they got, they got. suddenly you look up and say, hey, we're young. We got good talent. 
And, you know, this is step one. I think this is the first step of, all right, we're, we're no longer 2008. We're a younger team and we're seeing what we got. And I think that, you know, looking forward, I think that they, you know, that they are going to be excited. I don't think, I think they'll, it wouldn't surprise me if they like went like, you know, 80 and 82 this year. You know? Hey, that would be an accomplishment considering Absolutely. what, you know, projections were going into the year. I think the Phillies are kind of weird too because, you know, you talk about 08, well, they won back-to-back pennants. They went to they went six games, of course, in 09, you know, and and uh and then just had a great season in 2010, came up short. It was disappointing, but that 08 team, you know, they kept building. They kept putting pieces. They Halliday and 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 uh Cliff Lee. I mean, they were going for it all and they really had aspersions to be uh really a dynasty by today's standards. And, yeah, they signed Ryan Howard to, you know, what probably looked like a pretty stupid contract at the time. But, you know, they were generating gobs of revenue. That place was sold out. And then, boom, the bottom dropped out. And, you know, you hey, here in, in the New York area, always there was always this discussion when, when the core four were going to go away. Eventually, you know, each one of them retired. What's the identity of that team? Certainly here you cannot bottom out, Right. You can't be the Houston Astros and 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 just absolutely bottom out. And uh, it's an interesting thing. The Phillies maybe were able to do this in a, in a, a seamless fashion, and that's a hard trick to pull off. I don't think there's ever been a symbol more apt than the end of that Phillies Cardinals series in 2011 oh. when Howard collapsed. As yeah. and at that moment, that was the Phillies went. Remember the Phillies. I mean, my Philly fan friends are going to hate that I'm bringing this up again, but I, I was rem- I was talking with a bunch of my Philly fan friends. Say that ten times fast. Yeah. In 2011, when they won 102 games, and they went into the division series against the Cardinals, who the only reason why they were in the playoffs was because the Braves spit the bit. Yes. And they won that first game big. I forget the score. I know the Phillies was it was it was double digits to not double digits. That's what I just as my mom would say the score was a lot to not enough. <laughs> and Halliday won that. Lee was on the mound. If I remember, oh, come on, look at it. Yeah, they were up four nothing in the second inning with Lee on the mound in game two. And you're just sitting there going like, this is a sweep. I mean, the Cardinals yes. are in there by default. The Phillies have Halliday, Lee, Hamels, and Oswald. And I remember saying to my Philly fan friends that if they win the pennant, and I, and I said, and who's going to come remotely close to stopping them? The Giants did the year before, but the Giants had great pitching, and you, you could that was that wasn't as stunning. I mean, it was stunning, but no, it wasn't I, as I totally agree. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was pitching, 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 no question. But you looked up and you had the Cardinals, the Brewers, and the Diamondbacks were the playoff teams, and I said they're all chumps. I mean, just. Just get them to the World Series and let's and let's see what we've got. And you know, Halliday pitched. It was a one nothing game the last game. You yes. know, right to the right until the collapse. I thought the Phillies are going to win this game. Phillies are going to win this game. And I was saying that if the Phillies won the pennant, the conversation was: Is this the greatest Philadelphia sports team run of all time? It probably would have been at that point. I mean, even, you know, you think about, hey, uh, growing up, the Phillies were always knocking at the door in the 70s. Right, you know, they right. Win, they, they won divisions. They finally break through in 80. 
they get back in 83 with a substantially different, you know, that Wee's Kids team. Yeah. And, you know, Phillies, Phillies have been sort of, they've had scattered success, but those back-to-back pennants, I mean, not even, you know, we always hear now postseason appearances. It's, it's yeah. hollow and meaningless because, uh, you know, I mean, it just, you, you can't compare given the, uh, the the current system compared to the fact that, you know, eight teams were in each league and one team got into a World Series years ago. But back-to-back, that's an impressive achievement, not unlike the Royals, yeah. uh, you know, these past two years. Yeah. And I would have said three pennants in four years. Uh would have I would have put that up against not just then obviously it would have been the greatest Phillies run I put that up against any of Connie Mack's era I would have put that against any of the 76ers of the Flyers I think the yeah. only I think the only Philly run that was was longer was you know Balboa and the heavyweight belt <laughs> but we found out later that Mickey was putting him up against weak opponents on purpose and Clever Lang was right so I don't know the, the founding fathers went on a pretty good run from you know 75 or so the, the first continental congress let's say yeah. right up through the constitutional convention but that articles of confederation served as a stinker in between so but but Frank- kind of like Connie Mack selling uh, selling the team after the depression I don't know uh, but Franklin was the only homegrown from Philly. Everyone else they picked up from Boston and Virginia. You know, it was it was cobbled <laughs> together. Hey, Franklin was from Philly. Was from Boston. I Come know he's from Boston, but you know he. Yeah, he, I don't, yeah, exactly. I I just don't identify him with. Yeah, it's I don't I I identify Derek Jeter as New York, not Kalamazoo. It's the yeah. same kind of deal. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> you know, I don't think of Trevor Hoffman as a product of the Reds. You know, I think of him as a padre, you know, so. Pitch one game for the Marlins, too. It'll always be on his Hall of Fame plaque whenever he gets in there, and he should eventually. Here's Now, here's a weird question. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I have to tell you this this quick story about when my father and I went on, we went to the, the mistake by the lake, and then we went to a game in uh, the Jake in 95. We went to a game that year. And it was so like to be at the municipals or Cleveland Municipal Stadium, whatever the hell it was called, uh, where there was like fifteen thousand people there, and it looked like a high school. You know, when the high school tournament plays in the major league park. <laughs> yes. You know, and it's just like the the first three rows are filled up by friends and family, and the rest of it is just empty. And that's what it looked like, and it was like you know fifteen thousand people there, but it was so huge that it just there was just caverns of empty seats everywhere. And then to go to the Jake, which was packed, people standing against the railings, people screaming. It was a, it was, and the game we saw was was a. They came from behind. It was a, you know, Jose Mesa got the save, and I had I bought an Indians hat so I could, you know, I could sit with everyone. And my dad is a Giants fan, and he's been in. He was a New York Giant fan. Ah, uh, 1954 here. You got it. And now he's a San Francisco Giant fan. But he showed up wearing his NY New York Giant hat, and we were sitting there. And while we were there, there were these three women, this sort of this grandmother type, and obviously her two like teenage or twenty-year-old, you know, granddaughters there. And they were loving the game, and they were all wearing their Cleveland stuff and cheering. And we were chatting, telling them about our trip. Oh, that's great, that's great. And it was all super friendly. And at one point, I think during a pitching change or a lull in the action, the the grandmother type just turned around, looked at my father, and said. I see your hat. They, <laughs> this is, you know, how many four four decades later or something? Yeah, Yeesh. That's yeah. rough. Only the only th- thing she ever said, but she just wanted. I, I see your hat. Just, 
them on notice. Wow, that's harsh. I'll tell you, those baseball trips, same same deal here. The years, you know, at, right after college for me, a group of friends, and I'm still, you know, still friendly with them. And and uh, we used to rent a car, living in in the New York area, living in Hoboken, New Jersey, and we would. You know, the first trip we went to, we we drove to uh, Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. uh, Cincinnati, and Cleveland. We did that same trip. Days. We did that same Weekend. trip. We did yeah, same you know, trip. I mean, geographically, it's easy. Yeah. One year we did, get this, we did uh, both Chicago, we did Detroit, Minnesota, and Toronto. So just imagine driving to Minnesota, and and one and the, the, the stupidest, absolutely just moronic, you know, drove uh, from New York basically to St. Louis and Kansas City in three days. Mm. Brought the rental car back, and the lady's like, you know, geez, there's 3,500 miles. we got to get an oil change for this rental car. What the hell did you do? Eh, went to Kansas City for a ball game this weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's very funny. Go on. <laughs> but we did. That was it. And, you know, that was there's an expression that emerged from that, if you, that, that, that uh, basically so much time in the car, you're sitting at stadiums, you know, we had a couple of beers in between here and there, you know, but but it's like cut a check, cut a chunk out of my ass and count the rings. That was <laughs> that was that was the that was the takeaway from that trip. But but great, great fun. And, you know, bonding with friends and seeing stadiums that, you know, I mean, I, I've seen I've seen games now at 50 major league stadiums. Yeah. And when you think about it, we had this huge stadium boom that started and, you know, with 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 uh, Camden you know, Yards with, with U.S. Cellular oh, first true, and yeah. then Camden Yards. Well, really, Skydome. Yeah. Really, Skydome is with. The- yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I went to the old Exhibition Stadium in Toronto, got crapped on by a seagull. I really, it's it's true. I have a, a picture of the aftermath, uh-huh. um, and I'm I'm happy I went to all of these places. It really, you know, is a very different experience to go to a game uh, at those places as opposed to uh, you know the. The corporate palaces of today, which have their advantages, don't get me wrong, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just it's all part of this, you know, cumulative uh, baseball life experience. Well, I, we first one we did was we flew in, we we flew in from California to we went to see in four days we went to old Milwaukee County Stadium, which is now gone, yep. uh, and we saw and and had that's when they still had Yount and they still had Molitor. And so it was ninety one. We had great, great sausages there. The next Fun day, place to see a game. Oh yeah. Next day we were. This was in nineteen ninety one. We went to Wrigley Field, um, and we saw the Phillies. And Dale Murphy was on the Phillies at that time, and we saw a game there. Then we drove to Detroit, and we saw a game at Tiger Stadium, and it was jam packed, absolutely jam packed, because the Tigers were still contending. And they were playing Toronto, which was right across the lake, yeah. is Ontario. It was and, a decent rivalry then. Yeah, and this is, and I, I got to tell you, I mean, I'm not going to break down the whole game for you, but let me just tell. This is how the game started, like, and and you know, my father and I are there, jam packed, like, like and it was beautiful. I mean, I'd seen pictures of Tiger Shane was kind of empty and cold. We were there on a bright blue day, yeah. jam packed. Place going bananas. It's exactly how you want to experience a ballpark. The first batter of the game is I don't remember. I think I think Gullickson was pitching for Detroit, but the first batter of the game was Devon White. The first pitch was ball one. The second pitch he hit for a homer. The next batter up was Roberto Alomar. Third pitch of the game, 
homer. The next batter was Joe Carter, fourth pitch of the game, at his head, bench-clearing brawl. <laughs> yeah, I kind of knew that was coming, when you, the way you were going here. And I turned to my dad, I said, like, we're four pitches into this game. We can go. We're not, we're not, we're absolutely, <laughs> what else do you need to see in this game? And, and some good players in there, too. Oh, yeah. And Sparky Anderson was still managing. Um, Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell were still playing. Um, they were kind of nearing the ends of their career, but they were still there, kind of hanging on. And around the sixth or seventh inning, Morgana, the kissing bandit, ran on the field and wow. ran towards Olerud. And Olerud was like, he didn't know what the hell was happening. He ran out of the way, uh, proud fellow Washington State man. And she then made a beeline for Roberto Alomar, who, arms wide open, come here, baby. And it was... <laughs> Wow, that's rather late in her career for that sort of thing. Isn't like, it? like Trammell and Whitaker, she was kind of yeah, like, right. You know, game. just hanging on. Still, you know, the, the, you know, there was that select list of of players that played in four different decades, yeah. which now has been expanded. But uh, you know, three decades for her—that's a, that's yeah. a little surprising. And the yeah. next day, I had we... no idea she she hung on through the uh, the, the the first Bush years. No, but that was kind of the uh, that was her equivalent of Mike Piazza with the Padres. But uh, <laughs> awesome. But the next day we went to what is now called U.S. Cellular. The first year it was called New Comiskey. And when yep. we arrived there, they were still tearing down old Comiskey. So when yep. we were there, like center field and those little pinwheel things they had um, were still there. And when we went in, we were in the upper deck. Now, I, I've said this story before, and I, I said this to the comedian Jimmy Pardo, who has a great podcast called Never Not Funny, which I just gave a plug to. Uh, and he's a huge, he's a rabid White Sox fan. And we, we talked about that upper deck. And I said, the only way to describe to people who weren't there what it was like getting to your seat in the upper deck oh, was yeah. like the old Adam West Batman when he was climbing up the rope on the side of a building, you know, yes. and they very obviously just tilted the camera on the side. They're just walking. But that's what it felt like going up to your seat. And it was the pitch on that was unbelievable. And certainly the old Yankee Stadium was kind of like that. I mean, I don't know if it was quite that extreme, but of course, you know, they, they eviscerated uh, a good number of rows in that upper deck prior to the 2003 All-Star game and made it what it is today. It's much, much better. Yeah. But yeah, same, same kind of deal. I was, I actually have some pictures in front of, you know, in front of those two ballparks, one, which is almost done. The other one, which is being sadly demolished. And uh, I've got, a, I, I'm thinking I have one picture that a friend of mine took and I'm, I'm looking very 1990 or 91 and uh, mm -hmm. like a, yeah, like a, like a, a, a cat. I mean, I, I'll, I'll have to show it to you. That's all. I'll mm -hmm. scan it in. But, uh, but yeah, it was just the, the uh, and of course, you know, I, I always think about this. A lot of people do when, when, uh, they were building new Comiskey and what became us cellular field, they got a couple of little architectural features that they carried over those windows from the mm -hmm. old. And it was like, look at this, they're doing such a great job. It looks awesome because we were used to the cookie cutters, right. Uh, veteran stadium riverfront. Right. And, and, and in the meanwhile, Larry Lucchino and Janet Marie Smith, you know, I think both of them are very visionary, um, are, are working on Camden Yards. And that just, you know, came over, kicked Comiskey's ass and started a revolution. And, and uh, 
they built that thing at the wrong time. They, they were a year too early, basically. Well, they were offered a – one of the pitches that was made was from – what was the company that did Camden Yards? Um, is that, uh, HOK, is there, right? HOK, right, yeah. The HOK made a pitch, and if you go to uh, – I'll send you the link. Um, if, you know, that there's a there's stadium page is the name of a great site. But they gave him a, a, a pitch for a stadium that was going to be an old-timey – it would look like the polo grounds. It was an old-timey – Yeah, I actually – yeah, I, totally. I I, uh, I have a book here, and I believe it's called. Uh, I'm gonna take a little walk over to my bookcase, but it's from around that year, and it's called Diamonds, and it was by. A guy I have that the, book. Mike, I, I have that. I have that yeah. book. Not not not. It's in, the in there. I believe it was the the Armor Square Plan. Right. And this was a fantastic book, but that's in there. Yes, and and the you know the bathtub shape of the old polo grounds. They were gonna try to uh, replicate, but I think you know given the. The political atmosphere, the fact that basically legislative chicanery in Chicago, I'm shocked. You know, it's like um, it's like Casablanca that that uh, you know they 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 put put forth some money and stopped the clock and went to a 25th hour and you know nothing visionary was going to happen out of that sausage making process. Yeah. Thank you, Todd Radom, and uh, follow him at Todd Radom on Twitter. He does a lot of great pieces and. Folks, I got to keep the streak alive. Thank God I had extra stuff with Todd Radom. Hey, go to MLBReports.com to see the up-to-date links of Who Owns Baseball. Uh, follow me on Facebook, SoundCloud, Twitter, YouTube, uh, iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, go to SullyBaseball at WordPress.com. Uh, you can be old school. Send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. The music by Death Deckard Patrick Kaliski. Keep this streak alive. <laughs> oh, man. <coughs> I cut that out. On the 7th day of June 2016, I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Ugh, call me Sully.